Hi everyone, are you excited as I am to know what God has in store for us? This is your host Via and welcome to Stand for Truth. First of all, I would like to thank the man of God that taught me and preached on me the word of God for the past five years, my pastor, Pastor Jonathan Shepherd. He is the reason why I know the truth now. He has been hammering the word of God in my head in my first few months to almost a year since I started coming to the church. But I thank God he didn't give up on me. And also, I will not forget the person behind all the graphic details of this podcast. I'm blessed to call a friend, the wife of my pastor, Sister Pam. She's been so supportive and a very good critic in my walk with Jesus. They both had taught and encouraged me to go out of my comfort zone, which I'm doing right now. Praise God. So thank you, shepherds, and to my Living Way Fellowship family. I love you all and be blessed. So what we're going to talk about in this episode is the seven steps of salvation. I've been using this booklet for the past three years doing home Bible study here in Aqaba, Jordan. So I'm going to tell you a simple scenario in this booklet about a man who cannot swim and fell overboard. So let's say... Someone in the boat throws him a lifeline and pulls him to safety. Who or what saved the drowning man? His friend? The lifeline? The life preserver? The boat? Or did the man save himself? The answer, of course, is that his friend saved him. The lifeline? The life preserver? The boat? And he himself So the simple parable helps us understand that it is as foolish to say that we are saved by grace alone as it would be for the drowning man to claim that any one of the above means saved him without other, any other intervention. So the Bible certainly does teach that we are saved by grace, but it also teaches that God uses means. These means are called by the theologians the means of grace. So in this booklet, um, we will find a quick references and teaching tool on the pages that have compiled or the pertinent portions of the pure word of God to show how God saved us by His grace. So when the truth of salvation by grace is better understood, the doctrine of isabilivism loses its siren appeal. Why seven? You might ask. So the significance of seven, the number seven was sacred for the ancient Jews and played a prominent role for their religious life. The children of Israel obeyed God's command to march around the city of Jericho seven times, one time each day for six days, and on the seventh day they walked around Jericho seven times. At the sound of the trumpet, when they shouted a great shout, The city walls crumbled, Joshua chapter 6, verse 4. And also Elisha sent his messenger or servant to Naaman, the leper, captain of the Syrian army, to tell him to wash seven times in the Jordan River and that he would be cleansed and healed of his leprosy. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 10. The word of God declares, and on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. 
and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. The number seven indicates perfection and symbolizes completeness or wholeness. In this Bible study, we want to show the necessity of this basic seven progressive steps of salvation. For without all the seven steps, there is no salvation. So what is the first step? It is saved by grace. The definition of grace, it is the unmerited or the undeserved love and favor of God. A state of reconciliation with God. Someone said that grace stands for great redemption at Christ's expense. In Romans chapter 3 verse 23 and 24 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but we are being justified freely by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And also in Titus chapter 2 verse 11, that grace of the, the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, not only the few, to all men. The grace of God brings salvation to all men. Praise God. Also in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 says, Even when we are dead in sins, Hath he quickened us together with Christ, for by grace ye are saved. Even though we are dead in sin, just giving you an emphasis on the scripture. Even we, when we are dead in sin, as what we read in Romans chapter 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short in the glory of God. And while we are yet dead in sin, he has quickened us together with Christ by grace. We are saved. Amen. So we cannot be saved without the grace of God. The unmerited favor of God gives us the privilege of being saved. But we are not saved by grace alone and apart from God's chosen means. So we cannot save ourselves. Religion cannot save you. Your pastor cannot save you. Your brother cannot save you. Your sister cannot save you. Only God's grace can save us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So let's go on to the second step of salvation. We are saved by faith. We've just read in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Let us define what, what faith is. Confidence or trust, spiritual acceptance of truth, belief in God. The Bible say in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It explains it perfectly. So, defining what belief is, is to be fully persuaded or convinced, to put all confidence in, 
Let's read in Romans chapter 10 verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So in this passage of scripture it says that how how can someone's faith grow or how can someone have faith on something if they will not believe or if they will not hear about that thing or that person how will they have faith on that specific individual or something if they have not heard about it it's the same thing with our faith so in ephesians 2 verse 8 by by grace are you saved through faith as it says also in first peter chapter 1 verse 9 receiving the end or the outcome of your faith even the salvation of your souls receiving the end of your faith this is very very important for us in our walk with god to be faithful in our walk because it will determine the salvation of our souls to be saved, we must have faith in God. Hebrews chapters, chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Also in Mark 16, 16 says, He that believeth not shall be damned or be condemned. In James chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devil also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? When someone says, I believe, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are saved. Because devils also believe. Devils are definitely not saved. There's more to salvation than saying, I believe in God. Faith produces action. It's as it says in Romans 10, 10. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Believe that the promise to those that... There's, the pass there's passage here in John chapter 3, verse... 15 and 16 let's read that whosoever whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes in him should not bear perish but have everlasting life and also in chapter in verse 36 it says he that believes on the son has everlasting life and he that believes not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Amen. So it's better to know where your faith is and who you have faith on. So as we go on to all these steps, we will find out. And when we go in in-depth study on the Word of God, we will know who that God is that we are talking about. The third step of salvation is saved by confession that we've just read in Romans 10.10. 10, With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. What does confession mean? It is to disclose 
sins or faults to God, to unburden the conscience, to acknowledge guilt, wrongdoing, or sinfulness, to admit to unbecoming deeds. Someone says, confession is good for the soul, which is true. So they gave us here um, uh, a thing to do in order for us to practice confession. Make a list of some things in your life that you know, you know this pleases God. So just write them down if you have time or if you have a pen and paper right now. Just write them down. If you know that there are some things in your life that is not pleasing to God. So once you've done that, let's proceed to this scripture. As in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is, for me, it's very important when, when I know I've done something wrong and I confess it, it unburdens me. And when I know that I am forgiven, that makes me want to move on and move forward. And once you know that you are cleansed from all unrighteousness, that burden just <sighs> fell off from that from your shoulder. And and also in James chapter five verse sixteen, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. Amen. For those who have ought against your brother or sister, you must confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed because this happens to me personally and if I didn't do that I would have this heavy burden in my heart until now you know it's good to confess any faults maybe it may be a small thing just confess it because it will unburden you and it's good to Confess our faults one to another and pray for one another that we may accept and forgive each other that we may be healed. Amen. Confession involves transparency and honesty. Confession will lead us to salvation of our souls. We should not only confess our sins when, as Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. Amen. This is the end of the first part of the seven steps of salvation. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to let me know on my Instagram account, Stand for Truth. I hope you are blessed. Stay tuned for the part two of the seven steps of salvation here on Stand for Truth. Hi everyone, are you excited as I am to know what God has in store for us? This is your host Via and welcome to Stand for Truth. Welcome back listeners, I pray that the first episode of the first part of seven steps of salvation gets you interested for the salvation of your souls 
these steps I've personally experienced and done. And this has helped me throughout the years I've been walking with Jesus since I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's a promise to you and me, and we will find out more of that later on. So let's do a recap. We've talked about three of the seven steps already. First, we are saved by grace. Second, we are saved by faith. And the third one is saved by confession. If you've missed it, just go to my Instagram account, Stand for Truth, and click the link on the bio to listen to previous episode. So let's go ahead on the fourth step of salvation, which is the very important to understand and practice. It is repentance. So what is repentance? It says here, to change one's mind, to turn around, to forsake sin, to make an about face. It's like you're turning to 183 angles towards your back. You're not going straight where you used to be, but you're turning away from your old ways. As we've read in Proverbs 28.13, it says there, He that covers his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. So repentance is forsaking. Forsaking all the, the, the wrong things that we've done before. So that that's what repentance is all about. Yet it's not enough to merely confess your sins. We must turn from sin to be saved. Like an about face from sin. So what does the Bible say also when it comes to repentance? How, how can we repent? Let's read in um, Psalms chapter 34. Psalms chapter 34, verse 14 and verse 18. Psalms 34, verse 14 says, Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Verse 18 says, And the Lord is near to them that are of a broken heart and save such as be of a contrite spirit. Also in Psalms 51. Psalms 51 verse 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. So when we repent, it should be from within. It's not just merely saying, I'm sorry. You must be remorseful of all the sins that you have committed. It when you're feeling guilty of doing something wrong in the eyes of God, that's what repentance is all about. So let's read in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. It says, Therefore, godly sorrow works repentance to salvation not to be repented of but the sorrow of the world works death what is godly sorrow you know what i understand about godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation is that once you knew the word of god and it convicts you that's 
making you remorseful. You feel like, oh, I'm making God angry. I need to confess. I need to repent because we are pleasing God. But once you please men, it could lead to death because as it says in this verse, that the sorrow of the world works death. If we, if we feel more remorseful towards the people around us, we, we think of what they will say instead of what God will say. It could lead us to death. But if we want to be saved, our souls, we have to ask forgiveness from God and not from men. Amen. And also in Luke chapter 13, verse 3. It says there, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Jesus is speaking in this passage. If we will not repent, we will all likewise perish. Because the time that Jesus started his ministry, and even before he started, John the Baptist is telling everyone, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the same thing with Jesus Christ when he teach during the, the three years of his uh, ministry here on earth. He's talking about repentance. Repent, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in also in Luke chapter 5 verse 32. He did not call the righteous, but he called the sinners to repentance. Also in Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says there, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but all that but that all come to repentance. Amen. Did you know that heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents? That's in Luke 15 verse 7. That's why if you will just imagine you when you repent, the whole heaven is rejoicing. And you don't know how many thousands of angels were rejoicing with Christ in heaven. That was glorious. Amen. And also, it's repent repentance is more than just being sorry for one's sin. Repentance involves a lifestyle, mindset, attitude, adjust, adjustment. Let me say that again. It, is, it involves a lifestyle, mindset, attitude, adjustment. You know, it's so exciting to turn away from the old life of sin and of condemnation. You know, it feels like, oh, thank God, I'm being redeemed. That kind of feeling when you start repenting because you are lifting up the burdens that you have in your heart. So we must not stop there. We just don't stop on repenting and asking God for forgiveness and being remorseful of what we've done. In Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says, Repent that your sins may be blotted out when time of refreshing comes. We're going to the refreshing time now. So we read in Acts chapter 2 verse 38, Then Peter said unto them when they asked him, What shall we do to be saved? 
And he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Amen. So now we, we know that we are saved by grace. We are saved by faith. And faith produces action. That's why we confess. That's the third step. The fourth step is repentance. Now we are going on the fifth step of salvation, which is baptism. So the fifth step of salvation is we are saved by baptism. What is the definition of baptism? It is to deep plunge or submerge a religious ceremony signifying spiritual purification by immersion in water. In Hebrew term, they call it mikveh, which means Jewish way of cleansing. So it's a way of cleansing. So in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 21 says baptism doth also now saves us so for those who think that baptism is not necessary for your salvation the bible says it does now it doth now also now saves us so you cannot do away baptism in the plan of salvation also in mark 16 16 says that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved because there are some, some denominations, so-called of Christians, that believe that baptism is not necessary. But there is um, controversy on the way of baptism. That's why there is a formula in the Bible that says what or how you must baptize people. So what is the scriptural formula for water baptism? In Acts chapter 8 verse 16 says, They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 10 48, He commanded them that be, to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Amen. And also chapter, uh, Acts chapter 22 verse 16 says, Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Acts ten forty three, through his name shall receive sh you shall receive remission of sins. In Luke twenty four forty seven, remissions of sins should be preached in his name. Whose name are we talking about? It's Jesus. So why is so important to use in water baptism the name of Jesus? Let's read in Acts chapter four verse twelve. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. It says there, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's why it is important, because only in the name of Jesus our sins can be remitted. Amen. And also in Colossians chapter Chapter 3, verse 17. Chapter 3, verse 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Amen. <coughs> so also in Matthew one twenty one says, You shall call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sin. Amen. It's not confusing when you hear 
the scripture of Matthew 28:19, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. It's not confusing because the apostles who were baptizing in Jesus' name were all there. When Peter stood, when he was asked, what must we do in order to be saved? Because they understand. They understood what, why it, it is so important to use the name of Jesus Christ. Because as it says in Matthew 28, 19, in the name, what is the name of the Father? What is the name of the Son? What is the name of the Holy Ghost? That is Jesus, because uh, when when uh, Philip asked, show us the Father, he asked Jesus. And Jesus an answered him, I'm just paraphrasing, and he answered him, have I, so long, ha have I been so long with you? And you asked, show me the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, we've just read about it. It's there, it's, uh, neither is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven we might we, we might be saved whereby we must be saved amen <coughs> sorry so what is the next step after baptism as it says in acts 238 then peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the remissions remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So that's the sixth step of salvation. Amen. So the seven the six steps of salvation is saved by the Holy Spirit. In in John chapter 3 verse 3 when Jesus told to Nicodemus, "Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God." And Nicodemus asked Jesus in verse 4, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time in his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered in verse 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So Holy Ghost baptism is very essential and very important in, in being saved. Because there are some people that believe that when they re when they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they have automatically have the Spirit of God. No, because as it says in Acts chapter two, verse one to four, I'll read it to you. It says there, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly. There came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the, all the house where they were sitting. Verse 3, And there appeared to them cloven, cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the evidence that you have received the Holy Ghost is you will speak in tongues. I know I've experienced it. Amen. Amen. So in Romans 8 and 9, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So it's very important to have the Holy Spirit. 
to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, 14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. So if you don't have the Spirit of Christ in you, you are none of His. So how do we know if we have received the Spirit of God? I've just said it earlier. You, the evidence that you have received the Holy Ghost is when you speak in tongues. You can read that in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. As it also says in Acts chapter 10, 44, verse 46, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which he believed were astonished, as many as come with Peter, because that on the Gentiles, it's us, also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Amen, amen. Also, you can read the book of Acts chapter 1, 19, verse 1 to 6. Oh, I love this verse. I love this verse. This chapter and verse. It says here, I will just read very quick. Acts 19, verse 1 to 6. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, which came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said to them, To what then were you baptized? And they said to John, They said to John's baptism. Mm -hmm. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized, rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Amen. That's why it's very important that you are baptized, right? You are baptized in Jesus' name and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And the last step is saved by endurance endurance means the act or quality of or power of withstanding hardship the state or fact of persevering continuing existence and duration the writer of hebrew referred the christian life as a race as it says in hebrews 12 1 let us run with patience the race that is set before us to finish the christian race we must keep running and enduring it is not enough to begin this race by having faith, confessing sin, forsaking sins, being baptized in Jesus' name, and receiving the Holy Spirit. We must continue on with the Lord, continue walking in His Word and His Spirit. Matthew 10, 22 says, He that endureth to the end shall be saved. Matthew 24, 13 says, He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Second. Timothy chapter 2 verse 3 endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ Hebrews 12 7 if ye endure chastening God dealeth with you as with sons in John in James 1 12 said blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord had promised them that love him amen I will read to you a couple of uh, chapters here 
It says in Hebrews 2, 1 to 3, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we ne neglect so great salvation? In Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray to me, and I will hearken to you. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search me with all your heart. Amen. So this is the seven steps of salvation. I pray that this will, it, it will prick your heart, especially at this time that we are in. It is so important to know where we are standing on our uh, our soul's salvation. We need to do the things that God wants us to do. It is not only merely by believing, as what we've said earlier here in this Bible study. That's why there is seven steps. Without one of each, you cannot, you cannot be saved. We cannot be saved. So it is so important for us to practice and do what God has told us to do. For faith without action is dead. Amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus, for the truth. And I pray, Lord Jesus, O oh God, that the words that has been spoken of today, Lord Jesus, O oh God, will touch the hearts and the ears and the minds of the people that will hear, that will hear this podcast. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this is the end of the two parts of the first episode of Stand for Truth. I hope and pray that this platform will reach more souls that it could reach in Jesus' name. So stay tuned for more lessons here in Stand for Truth. Be blessed.